0: Welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are in this space now, that your presence goes before us, and our heart this morning is crying out asking to want nothing else but you. We thank you that you are enough. You are all that we need. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And yeah, we can celebrate God and all that He's doing. Thank you for joining us this morning. You can grab a seat. You can wave to some people around you on your way down. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We good? That was some good time to worship and celebrate God together. To be able to hear all these voices echoing in this space is something that is incredibly special. So now it's a dance break. We used to do that. When COVID first hit, we did these uh, praise breaks where we would just stop the car with the music and start dancing, or we would do it in the living room. We hoped it would go viral, but we're not quite there yet. (laughs) Oh, But this morning, uh, we're so thankful to have you. Uh, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is TJ. My wife Melissa and I are lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church, and, uh, and we've been having a great opportunity to be in a series called This Is Us right now. Um, we are a church that's been around for two years, and it's been incredible to see how God has moved. But in the midst of a pandemic, you know, we couldn't rent a school for a while. We were in a lot of different spaces, and now we're here back at Horlick where we know that God has called us, and he has asked us to be in this space. So we thought it would be a great opportunity for us to say, all right, well, let's talk through Soul Revival Church. So we want to share with you that this is us. These are the core values and the things that God has put on our hearts to help love You love each other, love our city, and see Jesus change and transform the areas that we get to go and be a part of. And as part of this series, we're about halfway through. After today, we'll be five-eighths of the way through. I've been working on my math skills. Um, But it's been a great chance for us to connect and talk a little bit more. And if you've missed any of them, all of them are available online. But this week, we're going to be talking about Lead from last. Uh, a core value that is so important to us because this is something Jesus has called us to do. And we're going to study a little bit about what he has to say about it. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be in Mark 9. Mark 9, give you an opportunity to get there. Uh, but I also want to let you know, like here at Soul Revival Church, we always want to communicate to people about the Bible because we know it can be intimidating. We know that you can look at it and say, I don't know where to open it. Or all I know about it is it's a, a book that they'll have you swear with your hand on it if you on trial that you're going to tell the truth Uh, or you might think that it's a rule book about here's all the things that you have to do in order to earn the love of God but it is exactly not that Uh, this is a love story about a God that so desperately loves each and every one of us that he sent his son to die for us this is about him creating the universe and saying here's my plan for your life and guess what even when you mess up I'm still going to come after you which culminates with him sending Jesus for us And that's the God that we get to serve, that we get to love, and that he calls us into relationship with. It's not about a religion. It's about a direct relationship, about a God that's accessible. He's present and available to everybody. So hopefully you had an opportunity to get there. Mark 9, verse 33. I'll throw it up on the screen here. Well, I won't, but our awesome tech team will. Um, And it says, They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for who you are and all you're doing. I thank you that you are here and in this space. I thank you that you love us so much that you'll meet us where we're at, but you love us too much to leave us there. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me get out of the way, and God, whatever you have to say today to whomever's in this space, whoever's online, whoever might be watching this in the future, that you've got a message for their hearts. So we thank you for all that you're doing and how much you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I said I was working on my math skills and I wasn't even playing around because we went out to eat the other day and Matthew, our oldest, hey Matthew, say what's up. He's hanging out in church today with us here. He's like, hey dad, what's 444 plus 558? I'm like, I don't know. That's like, those are some big numbers. Like, can I get a piece of paper? He goes, it's 1,002. Like, 1,002, like, did you just figure that out? He's like, yeah, in my head. I'm like, I don't know what they're teaching them these days, but praise God for that. Because for me, I need a piece of paper. At that restaurant, when I do my tip, I still put it right underneath, and I count down, and I try to figure it out. Like, how much is that? Okay. Or thank God for a cell phone, you can just pull out a calculator. I got this. But math, math can be overwhelming. I used to love math until it got super hard. Got to high school and they started talking about something called pre-trig and calculus. I was like, ah, that's enough for me. Let me take some general math from now on. Nobody else is with me on that? Because I was like, man, this is too much. Um, I might be letting you in a little bit too much about my slacker behavior, but I I call that BC for myself, before Christ, you know, because now I do everything to the T. I'm just joking. My wife laughed the loudest there, so that just tells you. Well, my senior year, I took all kinds of different courses just and I have to continue to apply myself. Like, let me just get the credit. I'm on my way to college. I just want to get out of here. But math, I used to love it until it got really, really hard. But now I start to see math in everything that we do. Math in our everyday lives. We're always facing math. We're looking at what's, what number is greater than a different number. How much does something cost? I guess for me, with my little guy talking about math and remembering all kinds of different stuff. And then I started to think about Math and equations and problems and what things do I remember or or don't I remember. And right now you're all wondering, what does this have to do with anything you just read? See, but it reminded me of math. Anybody remember greater than or less than? Yeah, the title of this message, greater than or less than. See, because math not only is a part of life because we use numbers for finances or figuring out what time to be at church. Praise God you all made it. We're celebrating that. I think we also use those type of equations sometimes to compare ourselves to other people. Like, man, they're greater than me, so I feel less than. Or how do I get greater than them? And you might not intend for them to feel less than, but it's this equation that we're always doing in our minds, trying to measure up ourselves compared to somebody else, our situation to somebody else's. And you know what? You can have freedom in that today because... Not only does God want to deliver you from that, but the disciples struggle with the exact same thing. They struggle with the exact same thing. Here are 12 guys that were hanging out with Jesus for three years. He welcomed them in to show them how to love people well and how to model what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And here's what's crazy, because those verses I read to you right before that, Jesus had just let them know for the second time, guys, I'm about to die. I've got to do it though. I've got to die so that on the third day I can raise again. But I've got to go through some sacrifice and I'm going to put my body out there as a sacrifice for you and I'm about to die. He shares this with them and then they head toward Capernaum and on the way they start arguing about who is the greatest. And last week we talked a little bit about an attorney and how Jesus asked questions because he knows the answer to them. And then he asked them this question like, hey, what were you guys arguing about? As if he didn't know. But this is what I love. Nobody said a thing. Everybody was quiet. How would you feel like Jesus saying, "Hey, what are you thinking about right now?" Well, I just killed it in my job today, and that dude just got yelled at by the boss, so I'm feeling pretty awesome. I'm feeling greater than. See, and he calls them on it, and none of them want to say anything. Because they're having these arguments. And as much as we don't want to accept that, or maybe you know, we don't feel comfortable acknowledging it, or maybe we do, and then this is a challenge that God's working on our hearts. But we have the opportunity to say, all right, God, if I'm ever struggling with that and trying to determine who's greater, am I greater, is someone else greater? What does that look like in our lives? And that's why Jesus is asking this question, because he wants them to get to thinking about that. Because they're missing the point. For three years, he's coming to explain to him, here's what it looks like to live in the kingdom. As we pray, Jesus teaches us to pray, our kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So he's saying we can encounter and experience the kingdom of God here and now. And he's trying to show them this, and they're still missing the point. But all of us find ourselves missing the point sometimes. Some maybe more than others. But you know what? It's okay because Jesus isn't reprimanding them or yelling at them. He's just like, hey, what are you guys arguing about? What were you talking about on the road? Why is everybody so upset? And then no, no one says anything. They're keeping it in. They don't want to display too much. But really it becomes this conversation about greater than or less than. And what's really interesting about Jesus is that when he calls us to be less, we take that to mean we're less than. And as we compare ourselves to other people, if we feel like we don't measure up to who they are, we feel like we're less than. And Jesus is trying to put that to bed. One of the biggest culprits to that is our own insecurities. Because within our lives, we allow our insecurities to be greater than our identity. We allow our insecurities, the things that we don't like about ourselves, to overcome the identity that we have in Christ. And there's a mental shift that we need to make. Because we see God and we think to ourselves, all right, if I just do enough, then he'll accept me as his child. Then I can fully be a child of God. And we were just singing about who God is and the fact that we are his children. That's something that's given to us directly. You are a child of God. So your identity is that you are a kid to the king. So when you accept that identity, the insecurities can pass away. But in a culture that will tell you that you have to fight to measure up. Or to tell you that you don't. It's hard. And I'm acknowledging that right now. It is hard to sometimes overcome the insecurities that we're facing. But God is saying, I want you to be able to live in the identity of who I've created you to be. So that it's no more about who's greater than or less than. He's saying, if we can be less, then I can do more. Greater than or less than. And then here's how Jesus continues. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. That's our core value, lead from last. He's saying you have got to be the servant of all. Servant leadership, it's something, that's what we call ourselves here at Soul Revival Church, servant leaders. We're not volunteers, we're servant leaders because God has called us all to lead. Every single one of you are a leader whether you believe it or not. John Maxwell puts it perfectly that leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. You all have an influence in your daily lives, whether it's at work, whether it's at home with your kids, whether it's within your family, where you hang out, any space that you go, you're a leader. Did you know that? Maybe some of you didn't, but I'm telling you today, you're a leader. Because you have influence wherever you're at. And you have the opportunity to determine what type of influence you want to have. Do I want to influence people for the better or for the worse? See, but today, today God is saying, I'm putting it on your heart to let you know you're a leader. So now we can't turn away from it. So what does it look like to lead? How do we lead well? And Jesus continues. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. In those days, children were not even counted. So when you hear about Jesus feeding the 5,000, women and children weren't counted. So this right now is so, so against culture, So, against what they were used to or what they would even imagine, if anything, they would say, Kids, you need to stay out of the way. And Jesus pulls one front and center. Matter of fact, I want to model that. Hey, Matthew, come right here for a second, buddy. Can we clap for this little guy? Takes courage to come up on a stage. He jumped up, too. Nice work, man. This is Matthew. He's nine, he's our oldest. See, but as we were worshiping down there this morning and I just hear his little voice singing the words and how God's used him to be a leader. And as I read these verses and I think, man, I picture my own kids and Jesus just pulling my own kids and saying, hey, how you serve them? Not going to lie, when I had kids, I'm like, hey, less chores for me, right? They get to help me out. But Jesus is saying, hey, the way you love the little ones like this, that's how you love me. And not only me, but the father who sent me. What he's saying is that the people that society would deem as less than, he's telling us to serve. He's telling us to love. He's telling us to meet right there. And man, I'm so proud of this little dude. I'm so proud of the way that he loves people, the way that he loves Jesus and wants to share about him to his friends, and he models it out. But the way that we get to love these little people or the way that we get to love the people that society will look down on, that's how we can reflect Jesus in our lives. You go ahead and grab a seat, buddy. Good job, kiddo. And then it's this challenge of, okay, well, if I'm going to serve somebody that society deems as less than, then am I less than? And that's how the enemy will try to get you, because we add that than to the end of it. Because when Jesus is saying we have to become less, that does not mean we're less than. We've got to grapple with that today. He's saying, Look, the way that you serve and you love everybody, that's what it looks like to lead from last. That's what it looks like to be a servant leader. That's what it looks like to love the way that I've called you to love in the kingdom of God. And he continues. See, we're going to jump to Mark 10 here, and here's what's interesting. So, this is the first scene. Talked about my acting career last week. If you missed it, you might want to watch it back. People that laugh is because it was in eighth grade. One little line in a scene. Anyways, I'll move on. That was the first scene. Now we're going to step into the second scene. Because in Mark 9, Jesus shared about his death. In Mark 10, he shares about his death again for the third time. And he's letting them know more details this time about the sacrifice that he's going to make. And then directly following that, Guess what happens next? I won't make you guess. I think it's on the screen already, too. But it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we want. I'm like, well, how dare they? And then the Holy Spirit convicted me. Like, you ever hear your prayers sometimes? God, can you give me this? <laughs> give me whatever I want. And then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. See, it was thought at those times, whoever's on the right or the left of the king had the most prominence and the most influence. See, we get so focused on our position that we lose sight of our purpose. We live our lives as if Our position is greater than our purpose. Once again, arguing over who's greater, because that's essentially what they're doing. And what's even more funny, if you read the same instance in the book of Luke, they actually sent their mom. Peter was being nice. So in the book of Mark, that's Peter's recollection. Peter, James, and John, the three of them were kind of in Jesus' inner circle. He would pull them into all these different special moments they'd actually just gotten up and seen the transfiguration and had a, a moment with Jesus where they saw him in all of his glory so it's no surprise that they're asking for this prominence so Peter was just being polite I think but Luke cracked me up because I'm like man he's calling him out not only were they asking Jesus where they wanted to sit but they said hey mom could you help me could you ask Jesus something for me please because I already know I probably shouldn't be asking this question but hey maybe you could try But they're asking, can we be on your right or your left? Because they're trying to put themselves in this position of power. And we get so focused sometimes on the position that we're in that we miss out on the purpose that God has for us. And they were losing sight of that in this moment. They have an opportunity to be in Jesus' presence and they're thinking about something different when he just told them that he was about to die for them. And that might look differently for you. See, because our purpose, we've got, Jesus calls us all to follow him and to help people see who he is. That's the great commission or the calling we all have. But the purpose are the unique giftings and skills that God has given us to seek that out. That's our core value made for more that we did a few weeks ago. So he's got a purpose for us, but sometimes we get focused on the position that we're missing out on how he's calling us to use the skills we have. Because we're better together as we follow Jesus, so we might all have different skills and abilities, but I think this tension rises up a lot more when you see people that you might deem as your equals. Maybe you're a teacher and you're like, man, that teacher is getting put in these different positions that I'm not. Or you're trying to get yourself into a position that's greater than maybe who they are. Or maybe you're in sales and you're like, man, that person keeps excelling. And you're now thinking that you're less than because they're doing greater because we're finding our worth in the things that the world will tell you are important. So then we're getting focused on our position over our purpose and then we allow ourselves to feel less than. God God's saying, no, we need to focus on our purpose. The position is not what's important here. But that's what they're asking for. And here's how Jesus responds to them. He says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or baptize with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And what Jesus is saying, so drink the cup or to be baptized by what I'm being baptized. Baptism is this submersion. So we talk about baptism after we accept Jesus. It's a, an external representation of the internal change. Death to the old and life to the new. But it's also a phrase that's used of being submerged. So what Jesus is really telling them, like, hey, can you handle what I'm about to face? Drink from the cup, be baptized. Can you go through the pain and the torture that I'm about to go through? But them not realizing what he had just shared with them about the experiences he was going to go through for us are like, yeah, of course we can. And Jesus tells them, well, actually, you will, because they will be ridiculed. James is actually the first one who's martyred for his faith after Jesus died, is resurrected, and raises up again to heaven. But in this circumstance, they're sitting there so focused on this position that they want to be in that they're losing sight of what Jesus wants to do through them. Man, I've been showing you the way. I've been showing you everything. I want you to know that it is not about a position because when we get focused on a position, that's where we start to find our worth. So then when you don't get the position you think you should be in, you feel worthless. It's this continual struggle of feeling greater than or less than. But Jesus wants to put that to bed. He wants us to know that we can actually be greater by being less. And it doesn't make sense mathematically, but nothing Jesus does makes sense. Someone who would live a perfect life and say, you know what, I love you so much that I'm willing to die for you. To take on the burdens of the sin that you've had so that you can live in direct relationship with my Father. To go through that pain and that struggle doesn't add up, but he did it. He did it so that we can have a direct relationship with him. And as he's hanging out with his disciples, he's trying to teach them that, to model that for them, to let them know what the kingdom of God looks like. And he continues, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Basically, the 10 other disciples that didn't ask Jesus, could they be on the right or left, are getting mad at them. Like, man, how dare they go ask that question? And James and John were confused, so so were they. Those 10 probably thought, man, he just said they get to be there. How dare they? That's my position. If only I had asked first. Anybody ever felt that way? If only I were the one to have asked for that position right away, because I would have been given it, so now they're mad at them. But it gets in the way of allowing us to lead from last. It gets in the way from allowing us to be servant leaders, to love people well. And here's why. Because we allow our feelings to be greater than our faith. The feelings and the emotions that we have, the way that somebody makes us feel, or we think that our faith is about a feeling, like, man, I just wasn't feeling it today at church. I put on that worship song, but I just wasn't feeling it. Everything is about our feelings. Do what makes you feel good. And those ten were all in their feelings. But we need to know that we can have a faith that's stronger than any feelings that we're facing. Any obstacles that we're up against. Anything that might hit us in our heart. We need to tell ourselves it is not about the world that I'm facing around me. Because it will make you feel like junk. But I can have faith in who Jesus is. I can have a confidence in things hoped for and belief in things not seen. I can trust in who Jesus is so that my faith can become stronger than my feelings. So anytime I feel badly, it doesn't allow me to lose my faith. But we continue to get caught up in this feeling. Our feelings are greater than our faith. There's only one way to overcome it, though, and that's entrusting in, in Jesus. So here are the ten disciples, and they're all bummed, like, man, James and John are going to get that sweet position. And here we are. We didn't even ask about it, so I'm going to be mad at them for a little while. But all twelve of them are missing the point. All twelve of them are missing out on what Jesus is trying to convey to them as he's sharing with them about who he's going to be. what he's about to do, the freedom that he has to offer. All of us get caught up in these three different spaces. There's probably more, we can increase the list. But I have moments of feeling insecure where these insecurities are greater than my identity. Or you look for the position and you feel like, man, I want this position and that's more important or greater than your purpose. Or here like the 10, where your feelings are getting in the way of your faith. There is a real enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a battle that is taking place. And all he wants to do is pull us off track from what God wants for us. The freedom we can have in a relationship with Jesus. But we've got to stop allowing the things that are pulling us down to be greater than the things that will lift us up the one thing that can lift us up, Jesus. And here's how Jesus responds. Jesus calls them together and said, so he sees James and John, they asked him, the other 10 are all upset, and he said, come here, huddle up, we gotta talk about this. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. What a challenging verse. Must be slave of all. This is the value that we call lead from last. Because as a servant leader, it's not about what we have to do. It's about what we get to do. It's not something we do, but it's who we are. Because we want to look more like Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you've got to be a servant for all people. Yes, the world will tell you that you're making yourself less than, but actually when you make yourself less, you're actually doing greater things than you can imagine because you're trusting me more. When Jesus came, He flipped everything on its head. He turned it all around and said, "You know, we're going to look look at things differently. We're going to talk about this thing called grace and this thing called mercy. These things that were never talked about, and it was always these lists of things that had to be done. No, the kingdom of God looks different. It means loving everybody, meeting people where they're at." So being called as leaders, when we lead from last, it's saying, all right, I want to look like like Jesus because he modeled what it looked like to lead from last. Because last does not mean less than. We live in a society where it's all about selfishness, selfish desires and ambitions, selfies that we take of ourselves. Self, self, self. And Jesus is saying, hey, let's think about our self less. That's a challenge for all of us too. I'm not trying to be mean up here. Like I, We all have these challenges because we live in a broken world. We all have struggles. We all sin and fall short. That's why we need Jesus. And Jesus comes to create a level playing field like, hey, we all mess up. Let's just get that out of the way. But hey, I'm here. I'm here for you to bring redemption, to bring reconciliation. But I've called you to something and I'm asking you to lead. Are you willing to do it? But when I ask you to lead, it's going to look differently than how the world says we have to lead. To lead means to be the servant of all. Last week, we talked about everybody always, how we're called to love everybody always. God doesn't say who. Everybody is our neighbor. We don't get to pick and choose. This is a continuation of that. So, okay, now if I lead, I'm going to love everybody. And to love everybody is to put them first. That's what it looks like to lead from last. Anybody part of the revival squad? That's what we call our servant leaders here. Isn't that dope? Revival squad. Could you stand up if you're part of the revival squad? If you've ever served at Soul Revival Church. If you've ever come to an outreach event to serve our city. Because we love our city. Could you stand as well? See, what I love about this moment right now is that everybody feels awkward and uncomfortable that's standing up, and that's because they model what it looks like to lead from last. I'm gonna clap for you all. You can go ahead and sit down, I won't make you feel uncomfortable any longer. But to make not only a Sunday possible, but to make every day of the week possible, to make opportunities like last week when we went and served at the main project and were part of giving out 250 jackets to kids who didn't have them. Within a week's time, we told it to our church and people started donating, bringing jackets. Soul Revival Church, we gave 50 of the 250 that were handed out to kids. People showing up to serve, not looking for any credit. Like lead from last, that's what it's all about, to make it possible on a Sunday morning, people getting here at 7 a.m. just to set up. And I'm just going to give a special shout out to our kids ministry too that's out back and some of those standing in here are part of that team because they hang out with kids every single week, (laughs) teaching them about Jesus and missing out on these opportunities here. But to them, it's like, I'm not missing out. I'm making myself less so that God can be more. If it weren't for COVID and all those type of restrictions, I would have made everybody walk up here. So you're welcome. You don't have to do that today. I would have packed this stage out. Because I love how God does that. That's what lead from last means. It's saying, I'm willing to serve. I don't need credit for it. It's saying, man, there's a spill right there. My man London, he's in here somewhere. Last week, serving in kids, there was a spill on the floor. He's like, hey, man, you got stuff to do. Go ahead. I'm going to get this towel and clean it up. He wasn't somebody that was supposed to be cleaning it up, wasn't looking for a spill, but just went out of his way to do it. That's just some random little example. But I have example after example after example for every one of our servant leaders of saying, you know what, it might not be something I have to do, but I get to do. Because a servant leader is not something that I do, it's who I am. Jesus is calling us to lead from last, to love people well, to give people a glimpse of who he is by the way that we live. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come up. I'm almost done, I promise. But lead from last is something that's so pivotal and so important. So I do pray that as you go on with the rest of your week, that you would say, God, how can I lead from last well? How can I look more like you? And I'm going to share an example. So John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. So you know when you go to church on Christmas and Mary shows up, and the baby jumps for joy in Elizabeth's stomach. That's John the Baptist. He grows up, and he has this incredible ministry. He's out in the wilderness. Anybody ever seen Four Christmases? <laughs> it reminds me of Vince Vaughn in that, where he's like, 'cause he had like walking around with camel belt and all this stuff. Like, if you've seen that movie, or maybe you should this Christmas season, you'll think of John the Baptist. He's actually playing Joseph, but that's who I envision when I think of John the Baptist. I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. But John the Baptist is out there in the wilderness, doesn't drink, doesn't do anything like that. Following God wants people to know about this repentance. Repentance is not a swear word. Repentance just means turning from one direction to the other. So he's sharing with people, hey, you can turn away from your old life and go toward God. And his ministry is exploding. But then Jesus steps into his ministry. And all his followers start to go and follow Jesus. For him, he knew who Jesus was, though. But to everybody around him, they're like, man, aren't you mad? Jesus, he's taking all your people. Your ministry is dwindling down. But here's how he responds in Mark 10 45. I think we need to jump a little bit farther. That's my bad. John 3 30. He says, he must become greater. I must become less. This is John saying that because he's speaking about Jesus and who Jesus is. And he's saying, no, Jesus needs to become greater and I need to become less. And as a follower of Jesus, that can be the cry of our heart. All this greater than or less than and trying to measure up ourselves compared to other people. That's not what it's about. The greater than or less than, it should be, no, I'm not less than. I'm just making myself less so that Jesus could be greater. More and more that we fight the temptation to give into our flesh and our insecurities and the desire to be in certain positions and the feelings that we have in a moment, the more we fight that and we trust in who Jesus is, the more we can say, okay, I'm cool being less because guess what? The less of me there is, the more of Jesus that comes in its place. He's working on our hearts and he's saying, you know what, every little area, the more you give to Jesus, the more he'll transform it. Those darkest little areas that you're trying to hide because you think no one sees, he sees them. And I'm not saying this to make you feel badly or afraid, but he sees them and loves you anyway. And he's saying, I just want you to let me into there because I can transform it and I can redeem it and I can help you stop feeling less than if you just give it over to me. And as you become less, I can be more. And then as you walk around, you can lead from last in a way where people look at you and say, wow, what is that? I want that. And you can say, that's Jesus. That's Jesus who met me in the midst of my brokenness. That's Jesus who follows me wherever I'm at, is willing to help me through any situation. That's Jesus who's calling me to love people well. It's Jesus. Because Jesus even shares with them, like, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. And what he meant by that service is, yes, people saw him wash his disciples' feet, hang out with kids, feed people, heal people. He did all of it in his ministry, but nothing was more important than the fact that his service for us was making himself less. Taking on death on the cross for our salvation. He made himself less so that we could have more. And we can stop fighting over who's greater than or less than and say, you know what, there's one that is greater and his name is Jesus, and I wanna keep becoming less so that he can do more. So we gotta stop walking around with our insecurities being greater than our identity. You know what I like though? Little greater than sign there. When I first started math and you had these numbers, like how do you remember which one is which? Well, pretend it's an alligator and it always eats the bigger one. But when I look at this, I think, all right, that's awesome because you know what, if I think of that as Jesus and he's gonna eat the biggest one, he's gonna eat those insecurities and leave you only with your identity in Christ. Just say, you don't have to live in your insecurities anymore. You can have freedom in who Jesus has called you to be because you're a kid to the king. Same goes with the position as you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm just trying to climb the ladder. I'm just trying to get into this position of favor to say, no, Jesus, I'm going to trust in you because you're going to take out that desire for position and leave me only in my purpose. My purpose to show people who you are, because I want to see lives changed and transformed. I want to help people. I want to lead from last so that people would see Jesus in everything that I do. I'm going to stop letting my feelings be greater than my faith because you know what? I'm going to trust that Jesus can take out those feelings and say I'm going to leave you with your faith, faith in Jesus and who he is and what he has for us. He wants to give us freedom. When you have freedom, all that other mess gets out of the way because you don't start to focus on that anymore. You focus more on Jesus and where he's calling you to go and how he's calling you to love. You can lead from last and you don't feel less than say, so you know what, I'm putting myself less because I want Jesus to do more. You are all leaders, whether you believe it or not, I'm telling you today. And Jesus is greater than anything that we could face. So as we talk about greater than or less than, it's no longer this topic or this feeling, am I greater than or less than? That's not what it's about saying, Jesus, I want you to be greater. Because the greater he is in our lives, the less we have to try to figure out what to do. Say, Jesus, show me where to go. He'll he'll show you. He'll show you how to lead well. He'll show you how to love well. Surround yourself with some people that want to help you do the same. But it starts with our relationship with Jesus. It's saying, you know what? I don't want anything else but him. We're going to sing that again in a moment because it's so important for us to rest in that. Because our identity is the first and most important part of it. Because if you don't acknowledge that you are a kid to the king. And that is a free gift that was given to you. Everything else becomes that much more challenging and that much more difficult. There is so much freedom in Jesus. And I want that so desperately for all of you. But there might be some of you in this space today, you've never made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus. You're asking yourself, what does that look like, this man you've been talking about who died for me? How do I have that? There's no class you have to take. There's no certain steps you have to follow. The Bible says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's acknowledging the fact that you believe in who Jesus is and the fact that he died for your sin, but that he rose again. That he brings forgiveness to your sins. Because we all make mistakes and we all fall short, but that forgiveness came at Calvary when he died for us. And we never leave a Sunday without giving someone an opportunity to respond to that. For someone to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Say, I wanna do things differently, I want more. I want to stop focusing on my insecurities or the position I'm in or the feelings I'm having. But I want to know about this Jesus because I believe in who he is. So right now I'm going to ask if everyone in this space, could you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if that's you today, and you say, you know what? Yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air. Because one, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, you need to know that no matter what you've done, He sees your sins far as the East is from the West. He gives forgiveness and grace in the middle of it. And your life will never be the same. And three, if that's you today, would you shoot your hand in the air? Would you be so bold just to lift your hand high? Thank you. Anyone else out there today? You can go ahead and put your hand down. God, I thank you so much for that person. I thank you for the lives that get changed, that you're working and moving in the way you're moving. But God, we thank you so much that you died for our sins. We thank you that Jesus rose again. We thank you for this new grace that we're given every single day. God, we pray that you would lead and guide our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.